Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Bears on Tap. I'm your boy, Juice, and I'm joined today by Q at Butkus Stats. We're going to break down the same old-ish. That's the title of today's episode. A lot of, uh, of the same stuff that we saw over the course of the first game rearing its ugly head in this one. But first, let's start out with just a little positive action here. And Q, how you doing, my brother? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. I am, uh, once again, I am on to Kansas City, <laughs> not Tampa Bay this time. Just moving on. We, we are onward, onward and upward, you know? That's all I can think. In some ways, man, it feels like it only has room to go up. Uh, I'm sure yeah. you've had a lot of time over the course of the last two days here to watch some tape to break some things down, to look forward towards Kansas City, like you said. But just kind of opening remarks for this, it, it just sucks that this is where we're at. There's a lot of bad information out there. There's a lot of negative negativity going around. And, yeah, the, the Bears didn't play up to the standards that we think that they're going to play at. But there's more to this than just Justin Fields and his you know, lack of good play per se. There's, there's more that's, that's going on here, but I just want to get your, your first kind of thoughts about the game, things that you saw irked you, you know, just, just giving you the floor to just go ahead and talk about Sunday's game in, in a little bit of depth. Yeah. I mean, so when I went back and watched the film, I was focusing on offensive line because that's kind of what I'm trying to do this year is go watch the game five times one time for each position and get grades for every offensive lineman, in my own opinion, you know, and obviously that's difficult because I don't know exactly how they're being coached to do certain things, but you can get a general idea. And I, I tend to think it evens out over the course of the film. It might not always, but you got to try, right? Otherwise you, you can't really build a good assessment on these guys. Um, so, most of my focus, like I said, was on just the offensive line. So I wasn't watching many route combos when I was rewatching it. I wasn't watching any, any, any uh, schematic stuff with the, the, the receivers and where what route concepts they're running and what Justin Fields is looking at. It was more offensive line. And I'll tell you, man, I have never seen an offense that likes to – keep their offensive linemen busy and running horizontal as much as this one. Like, I just, I don't get some of the reasons for why they they're doing things the way they are. And some of the misdirection they're trying to create with the offensive line moving with run action. Like I understand you like to, you like to pull certain guys on runs, pulling them in pass pro isn't really doing a whole lot. If you're pulling a guy for a run, I don't think the misdirection of, oh, well, maybe it's a pass. I don't know. Like, it's going to get you a long way. And I don't think the thought of on that pass, oh, this must be a run, is opening up the middle of the field space over the linebackers like you're hoping it will. So it's just – I just came away very – there were just a lot of moments where I was just like – I had to replay stuff and go like, why are they doing this? Um, which isn't a new take. I mean – the last two weeks it's been all over youtube it's been all over twitter like these instances of 
we just don't understand what they're trying to accomplish on certain plays. Um, the one takeaway that probably is a little different is I can't imagine uh, the Bears offensive lies on very good terms with Luke Getze after he made them run downfield on screens about 10, 15 times on Sunday in 100-degree heat. 300-pound <laughs> men, one of their least favorite things to do is chase small, fast guys in 100-degree heat. So, <laughs> as they say in dodgeball, it's a bold strategy, Cotton, for sure. Yeah, let's see how it plays out. Um, yeah, I, I too, I, I watched this game over at my sister's place with my nephew who just born into being a Bears fan. The, the poor guy, his first two games are, are these two disasters, but he deserves a medal. He really does already. The kid's four months old, and he's already uh, – the good news for him is he won't remember him. Um, we sit here and we, we remember every yeah. single game here. He, he, he'll, you know, grow up hopefully in a fair society that is uh, much more advanced than the one that we're at. But Odds th- are he's even <laughs> this, this is probably <laughs> true. But just the I, – I thought at least – Silver lining. There's a lot of negative stuff going around. And I love I love what Scott already jumping into the comments. Spin zone. Bears are one game out of first place. Yep, totally. Right there. Get on the train, making playoffs, winning the division. Uh, love it. I thought the effort was at least better on Sunday oh. than it yeah. was, you know, against the Packers. I think that's silver lining that at least yeah, I think this coaching staff in general too felt the backlash of, of last week's media and the fan base and, and, you know, falling flat on their face in front of national media and pretty much probably went in and, and had a good meeting with everybody. I'm sure you've, you've heard they already talked to Claypool and Claypool definitely stuck his helmet in more over the course of, of Sunday's game than he did, you know, the previous, but it's still, it leaves you questioning. And then this is, we're not going to make this whole show like berating Justin Fields. That's going on enough over the course of the national media. I want to place some blame in certain places that I don't think are being talked about enough in places that you've looked on tape, the schemes, the offensive line. Yeah. Justin's bad, but like you said, a lot of this, this scheming stuff just doesn't make sense. Yeah. I mean, I even have a hard time with the offensive line after watching these two games. I mean, Patrick and Whitehair are definitely struggling some, but like, I think you are getting some really good tackle play except for when Braxton's getting penalties. That's a whole nother issue. But I think the tackles are playing very good football right now, like between the whistles. And then at right guard, I think you, you got good – like people, I don't think people realize this. You got some really nice play from Nate Davis in week one that – I mean, there were some real, there were some rough plays sprinkled in there of like first week didn't really get practice much and – um definitely rusty but like there was some really impressive plays out there too from him um so i I have a hard time saying the offensive line has been that bad i just i don't generally agree with some of the pff pressures numbers that came out um after marking my own grades and I, i i see an offensive line that really lucas patrick played pretty well sunday in pass protection the run run blocking is a whole nother question but the pass protection, like Lucas Patrick was sticking it to Vita Vea for a lot of that game. 
Yeah, it's good to see there are at least some things that showed up on tape that makes some sense. I, I do want to, we're going to kind of transition. We are going to talk a little bit of Justin Fields, at least, and, and talk about his leash as a starter. I think that if you're watching, if you're watching, you're seeing a lot of the things that you saw with Mitch Trubisky when he came here too. And there's a lot of the same kind of conversation. I think that, like you said, we were talking about it off air. There's a lot of Trubisky trauma at this point. There's a lot of, there's a lot of guys too that, are watching this and thinking that a lot of these things are are wrong in terms of it's just in missing reads. And yeah, he's missing throws. There's no doubt about that. And he's not playing well, but to me, what I don't understand is some of the route count, you know, combinations. I don't get, you know, some of the things that they're trying to do in, in terms of, of scheming and play calling in general, like getting from one, play to another to set something up. They're just, it seems like it's this jumbled up. You know, I always joked about when Matt Nagy was here, he would spin the wheel and whatever it landed on was like, yeah, we're going to run that. I see the same things with Getsy and it's starting to get a little frustrating. Yeah. I, I get this, this feeling with Getsy that he just like, he's, he wants to overthink everything. And he's like, He's he's running a play so he can set up another play that will set up this perfect play. And it's like you just don't get those perfect scenarios. That's not like like maybe when Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback, you can afford to do that. But like when he's not, you probably can't. And on the Trubisky trauma thing, like I think putting it all on Trubisky is probably not not fair because there's plenty of quarterback trauma to go through in my lifetime as a Bears fan, <laughs> but uh, Trubisky trauma just has a nice ring to it. So we're going with it. And the third year thing. So like, I mean, you think back to 2019, like we were all foaming at the mouth week one and it was about as disappointing as it could possibly get. Right. And then it's like week two was actually a pretty similar game to what we just saw. It was just like the other side of it, you know, it was we a miraculous win instead of a miraculous loss. But Really, I think it's important to think about, like, how long was the leash that you gave Trubisky as a fan in that third year? Like, and I'm not necessarily saying Justin deserves it, because, I mean, I gave, I know I gave Trubisky too long of a leash that year as a fan, and, like, of hoping that he would turn stuff around. But I do think it's important to be conscious of, like, how much am I like, am I rejecting that he can turn this around because of what I've been through emotionally with this franchise before? And I mean, I think I, I keep telling, I keep catching myself and telling myself, like, I'm giving myself to at least like mid season, week 10, week 12 before I'm writing them off. Cause like, what else are they going to do? You know, what's, what's the point of writing them off right now? Like, what, what do I have to gain from that? I mean, I'm not going to go out there and parade onto Twitter yelling to the masses that Justin Fields needs to be benched for Tyson Bajan, you know, but like, <laughs> I think that there's, there's a level of just being capable of waiting and seeing that is hard when you've been through that level of quarterback trauma that most Bears fans have. And like, just the next thing has to be better. It has to be better. Well, there is no next thing till next year. So let's just ride this out. Let's just see where he goes. And I think, too, like, I would feel way better about it 
if I could point to somebody in that locker room and say successfully developed a quarterback. I think that's at the end of the day, like you look on this staff and you're like, man, like who, who there knows what to do. And it, it shows so much to me when you see Justin in the pocket trying to rip throws because it looks so disjointed. Like he just doesn't look comfortable. He looks like he's trying to do too much. And I, I had a chance to watch, you know, some of this stuff on YouTube and, and things like that. And a lot of these, these guys and these quarterback gurus are talking about his feet and his, his upper body and his lack of, of drive through on the football, using a lot of upper arm and not, not getting his lower half into it. It just, it hurts because I think this is kind of like, this is going to lead us into our next topic, which is like, in terms of quarterback development, you know, there's a lot of things that are, are happening this year that, are a result of what he had to deal with last year and the year before that too. And tendencies are tough to break an athlete when he has two seconds in the pocket to read and react, it's tough to break when you've been told one way and then expecting, you know, it to do a different, a different type of, of drop or a different, you know, setup. And, and that's when you watch him, he looks so disjointed and two, like I know it's difficult to be happy when you're getting your brain beat in, but he also too doesn't look like he's having any fun out there either. It looks like he's dropping his head more often than last year. And they knew last year in terms of what last year was. They were trying to lose. But this year they're trying to win. Were they? And well, maybe. In, now in I'm terms questioning of, it. Yeah, <laughs> that's it's tough to but after a certain point, sure, you know, we even talked about it on the show too in terms of Getze and, and certain play calls against Green Bay last year and they're and talking about kind of sabotaging his own offense. Now maybe that's just his his way of calling the game. But it's funny to like to sit and, and have these same conversations over and over and over again. And it almost becomes like a franchise thing where you really start to doubt if they have any idea of how to take a quarterback to the next level, no matter who the name is. Yeah. I mean, so one, I mean, there's a, I think there's a level of well-run franchises have people in place, have systems in place, have processes that they go through that just breed uh, good habits, right? Now, I don't think that's that specific to the quarterback. I think that's just ge- in general. And I think that's something the Bears have, you know, never really had in my life, which is going to hurt every position's development, but especially quarterback, especially the guy you're expected to go out and lead on Sundays when there's not examples of good process within the organization. How, how, how do you expect him to develop good process? Um, and I really think. One of the things that fan bases in general, and this isn't specific to Bears fans, this is just fans of football everywhere. There's this tendency to look ahead, right? To to say, all right, we, we've got that that spot figured out. Next year we'll have two first round picks. We'll get this spot and this spot. And then from there, add a free agent and we'll be good. And it's like that that's not the way this works. These are human beings going through real things every single play every day out there every moment every bad word that's written about them in a paper I mean you can stay away from the media all you want you're still going to hear it here and there and 
there are impacts to everything that that a player goes through. So when a player is getting to the point where Fields was last year of like first read run, first read one to survive, it's really hard to start to change that. And like it it depends how much you believe that a quarterback can develop later in their career and can change later in their career. I guess would be my my next argument of how, you know, is it done? Is it over? You know, is it is it like Justin Fields is what he is now because of what he went through with that, or is it he is what he is because that's just what he is? You know, and that that's the ultimate question with quarterback development. But I I tend to believe a lot of it comes down to how you succeeded in the NFL when you got there, and right now it's that is what we're kind of seeing. He's not able to do any of the things that he found success with. And it's almost like he's going to back to being a rookie, like from a process standpoint of like, he's having to figure this stuff out on the fly and you can do it all you want in practice. It's never, it's not the same. You know, if it was, then you'd see more rookie quarterbacks coming in after a good training camp and doing well. That's just like, look at Bryce Young right now. Look at CJ Stroud. I mean, CJ Stroud just had a good week, but week one, he he didn't necessarily. And the guys who come in and really succeed early in their career are pretty rare. And not to say Fields is necessarily early in his career anymore. Year three tends to be the it year, but I think there's a lot of reflection within the Bears organization. And as a fan, I like to reflect on it too because I think it's it's the most interesting part of football, quarterback development, and you need to set these people up for success. Like I, you think the Panthers regret giving up DJ Moore right now. Bryce Young has no one to throw to like no one to, no one gets open. Adam Thielen runs like a five, five forty now. So uh, that type of stuff matters that uh, learning what NFL open is and is not matters. And that's receivers. That's what receivers do. And when you haven't had, players on your team who can show you what that is you quite you get to year three and there's finally weapons but you still don't really know it. that's that's some of what i think we're seeing and the question now is does that is that something that can improve at this point and ultimately like i feel it should be but there's not evidence of it happening which is weird it's almost like a guy can only take so many hits before it's just like, all right, it, there's no more. Like, you, you see Fields right now. I couldn't help but notice Sunday. He's spooked. He thinks that he's about to get hit when he's not. It, it feels like to me. And he's like, he is antsy to do something because he his internal clock, he's been hit early so many times. His internal clock is screaming at him. You don't want to get hit again. That's survival. Right? That, 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 that's human instinct. You, you, you have enough negative things happen to you in a certain way. You start to avoid that. Like, so it's, I think that's really what it is. Sorry. I kind of, kind of, kind of no. took it all over there. But. No, I, that's, that's why we have you here Q. And that's why <laughs> Scott puts it, puts a great point in here too. Like it, it's at this point, players are not going to change in, in this season, figure out what you can do, do good and do that. Yeah. It's that's exactly where we're at at this point. There's no reason to. I wouldn't have my eight year old godson who 
I watched play football uh, on Sunday before the Bears game. He's the Lion Bears. That was my best Bears experience I had on Sunday. They won. He plays offensive line, plays left tackle. Oh, good man. Yeah. Yeah, he's a big kid. Uh, big big bear. You'd love him. We'll have to uh, we'll have to have him on the show. <laughs> but uh, it's one of those things where you watch on Sunday and you're like, man, like, it's, it's about putting players in position to succeed. That's a coach's job. And I watched Justin, and I wouldn't ask my eight-year-old godson to, to go work on the NASA space shuttle. Like, he's not good at that yet. And that's why I think that this is where we're at. It's going to transition us into our next topic, which is changing the offense at least a little bit to make him more comfortable, to do some things and some concepts that he excels at. Because at the end of the day – Maybe one day in Justin's career, he can sit in that pocket and identify the coverage and make the right read and get the ball out on time. It's clear that time isn't now. So the, this is the choice that the Bears coaching staff has. You could square peg, round hole it as long as you as long as you can, or you could change it to your player and be a good coach. And I think as much as we talk about the lack of quarterback success in this town. We should pair it with the lack of coaching success in this town. Because other than Lovey Smith, in my 30 years, it's been trash. And it comes to a point in the NFL and in any sport where it's on the coaches to put the players on the field in the positions to succeed. So what do they have to do with this group to make that happen? Yeah, I mean, I so to your point with the coaches, like, what was it? My, I want to say it was when Lovey Smith was fired. He, what was he? Something like the twelfth Bears coach ever, or something. <laughs> something like it was something that was like made you go, made you think about, it. like, oh, okay, like that's so there haven't been that many of them, huh? It's like that's out the window, right? <laughs> like that is gone, gone, gone after the last decade. Because it's just like that number is is pushing up towards twenty now. You know, it's that, that's not the way that you wanted to see it go. But back to your question with the the offense, what what needs to change? I mean, for start something easy, just run a few read options a game. Gives Justin the chance to read and hit a hole. And I mean, we saw how dangerous he was with them last year. He had multiple runs over fifty yards off of it. Um, and it doesn't guarantee that he's getting hit because if Reed's not there, he's handing off. And it can help your run game. It can, it can help you get the running backs going on the ground too. And it, it just adds him as an element, even without the fake of it, even without the the element of post-snap looking like he might run, pre-snap the element of we got to spy this kid. We got to spy this kid. We got to have someone covering him at all times that gives you 10 on 11 football that gives you the, or 10 on 10, I guess, if you're not counting the quarterback, like you, at that point, you're one-on-one -on -one across the board, which usually it's 11 on 10 for offense. Cause the quarterback isn't really a consideration. Like that is a giant advantage that that is like taking, taking 9% of the field and just telling them you can't cover this. You're not allowed in this box. 
like that that's that's how big of an advantage that can be and it's such a simple little thing run it four or five times a game and it just it gets it in their head and they have to be thinking about it especially on third downs like third third and shorts like where it can be so dangerous and it's even i mean it can be dangerous on any down distance but i feel like on third downs where you can really eat off of it if you can get in good yardage situations on first second down yeah it's and, and too, i'm sorry I'm, I'm like jumping into the comments here too and Ravi, love the cut. Like, draft a quarterback. He is bad. These are all comments that are going to happen after. There's 15 more games left to play. There's 15 more to, to salvage what you can out of Justin Fields. I appreciate you jumping in, but we're not at that point yet. Yeah, if I promise you at the end of these next 15 games, if the Bears are bad and they have a top pick, yeah, they're probably going to be looking at a quarterback. I'm, I'll be completely honest with you there. And there's probably a new head coach in this town too at that point. But let's let's try to, you know, over the course of the next 15, try to take strides towards winning football games and establishing a culture because, yeah, we can sit here and be like, yeah, lose the next 15. That doesn't matter. You're still setting a You're precedent in the locker dangerous. room. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, like, I mean, and don't get me wrong. I'm all for, if they're going to be bad, I'm all for getting the number one pick. But there is a dangerous slope there at some point of being the Cleveland Browns of five years ago. Like, and that is not a place you want to be. And there's still guys in this locker room that are going to be on those teams for years to come. They, I mean, look at guys like Jermon Dexter, like uh, Darnell Wright. You know, there's names on this rock that need to learn how to win, and there's value in that. So, and two, I would love to get to the end of this this whole season and be like, yeah, thank God we don't have to worry about the quarterback position. We have a guy in the locker room right now that has some traits. I think it's fair to say that Justin Fields is talented. It's about putting him in the positions to succeed that are comfortable for him. And Scott jumps in here real real quick too before you take swallow the pride and change their system. Go ahead, Q. So if you want if you want to get real optimist, looking for like seeking out the reason why he's destined to be good, um, Jonathan Wood had a tweet today, and he's usually Jonathan Wood is usually not an optimist, but like it was just a fun little stat. Um, I shouldn't say he's not an optimist, but like he's not a guy who is searching for the wrong things, you know, just to sound optimistic. He's a guy, he's pretty real with that, with everything he puts out. But on this one, it was interesting. It's like Fields is a slow starter. So best case scenario, I mean, he's, he's always been rough his first few games of the year in Chicago, at least I, I, I don't, I'd have to go back and look at his Ohio state numbers to tell you that. But so maybe, I don't know. I mean, I'm not counting on it, but weirder things have happened. I mean, Kyle Schwarber wasn't very good for the Cubs in April and May. <laughs> yeah, that, anything. There's, there's a lot. There's 15 games left in the season. And Robbie, I don't mean to attack you. Is that there's a lot of people out there who are saying these same things? Draft quarterback. Yeah, if they're bad, they're that's going to happen. I'm going to tell you that right now. That's going to happen. They will be moving out from Justin Fields. And then this time, it's time to talk about what's going on with the team and, and, and the coaching staff and what they can do to better this team. 
and we just did. So, well, isn't the uh, Go ahead. isn't the Bears cycle more like like I know they broke it last time. Or actually, no, I guess they didn't. So they're they're due to trade for a bad veteran now. It's always draft a quarterback, yeah. trade for a bad veteran. Draft a quarterback, trade for a bad veteran. I mean, that was like so. It was what Grossman, Greasy. So I guess that was a sign signing him, but whatever. And then there was. I guess they didn't draft one between Greasy and Cutler. So we just go Grossman Cutler just to make it easy. So what Trubisky, Foles, Fields, who's the guy? So what you're saying is we're gonna get like Russell Wilson and then an offensive court or offensive coach for the next one. Cause it seems like that's also the same thing too. It's offensive head coach. We don't yeah. figure it out that it's defensive head coach, and then it's offensive head coach, and it'll just go on and on forever. No, um, the guys they get usually aren't like guys who had those great resumes at some point. It's usually more like a like a Geno Smith. Okay, okay. <laughs> it just that's it would make a lot of sense at this point. Um, <laughs> but I know you were t- you were talking earlier on the show about watching a lot of tape of the O line, and yeah. I don't know if you had a chance to you know drop in your thoughts, but I, I do want you to you take a little time to talk about the offensive line and some good things you've seen, some bad things that you've seen. And uh, I thought I know you mentioned for sure that you're getting some decent tackle play out of Wright and Jones minus some penalties on the left side. Yeah, I mean Wright and Jones are the top top two graded O linemen on this team right now, and Wright is the top graded, which is surprising to see from a rookie to come out and do that well that quickly. But I will say, I won't be surprised if there's a regression here soon because. At Tennessee, there was very little tape of him in NFL-style play in really true pass sets where the quarterback doesn't have the ball out pretty quickly. So now they're starting to get tape out there. I wouldn't be surprised if defense defense coordinators start targeting him more specifically with certain concepts and certain players and testing him a little bit more that they see, you know, they're watching the tape and they see, oh, well, if if we stack the line, on his two gaps, he he has a moment of hesitation, and the inside guy's got a chance because he he kicks a little wide like that. That's the type of thing that we're going to start to see, I think, happening to right. So I wouldn't be surprised. If there's a down here, and it's all about how he answers that. You know, it's all about, it's all about how he it, it it's all about taking punches and counter punching, right? Like so, he's I think he's going to go through ups and downs this year, but the early results are really impressive, and I think that he he has. He's living up to all the tools that I thought he was pre-draft right now. And I'm just really excited to see where his career goes from here. And then Braxton Jones. I mean, last year we talked a lot about his run blocking, right? And his, his his ability to move in space and hit moving targets. And like that was something that you really felt like you could you could build a rush offense around. But this year his run blocking has not been that impressive it's actually been kind of like a little bit like underwhelming but his pass protection i've been very impressed with um the anchor is still lacking some but some of the hand techniques some of the flexibility you can see what he worked on this offseason i'm sure he worked on his anchor too but i think his he's just high cut i think his leverage is always going to be a bit of an issue like his by high cut i mean like He's uh, what his waist is high up on his body, right? So he just he's gonna be tall, or his waist is yeah. So so he's just gonna tend to play taller, 
or I think that's actually the other way around. Your waist is lower, so there's only so low you can get, um, which is just going to impact your play level and your ability to gain that leverage on the guy you're blocking. And low man wins, right? That's the sport. That's every sport, really. Yeah. It's all about that's, that's... it's all about hip drive and low man wins in like half the sports you can think of. But um, his pass protection has re- his technique has really impressed me so far. The penalties need to stop, and I think they will because, like, I I can't imagine they continue at this rate, especially without with them not being a major issue for him last year. But I'm, I'm really impressed with him. The interior, I think Nate Davis is going to end up being a nice signing for this team. I mean, I know that he he got off the wrong foot with with uh, with the fans with, the, with all the practice stuff. We didn't really know what was going on. You know, I mean, I saw a lot of that I put on the Bears PR team. Mm-hmm. Like, That's not that they need to be out there saying specifically what's happening, but like something as simple as a coach going and in a, in a in a sympathetic kind of way explaining he's away from the team. There's some stuff happening. We appreciate it if you guys respected that, or pulling the beat reporters aside and letting them know off the record kind of what's going on or giving them an idea that it's something a bit more than or, this guy doesn't like to practice. That goes a long way towards the beat writers Q, not going after it. Like, just saying it's excused. That, yeah. that it's an understanding mutual thing between us that we know what he's going through and, and it's excused. That That's the whole problem. The Bears have never been good at this either. That's no. the and and like I don't want to call out Kevin Warren. He's got a lot on his plate with the stadium and all that. But I thought that like him running the whole Big Ten, things like this would be cleaned up at least a little bit. Yeah, I mean maybe they will. It's still, you know, it's what six for six months on the job still. Like, I mean, I don't think we can really see anything about the direction he wants to go yet. But back on Nate Davis. I was really impressed by his week one performance. And I'm excited to see him back on the field this week. Um, even though, like I said earlier, there were miscues, there were there were issues, but it was all fixable. The process was all good. You could see him just see, react, see, react. It wasn't see, pause, think, react. It was see, react. So the, the miscues were all things like he just didn't know it because he hadn't done it, which mm-hmm. is fixable. That stuff is is fixable, and I, I'm excited to see him play. Um, I really liked some of the flashes I saw from Tyree Carter on Sunday. Um, his play was very up and down. Like again, there were some things kind of like I was just saying. He's never done it, so he didn't do it right. Like he, there was a play where the whole line was uh, moving left on an outside zone, and he got caught kind of in between thinking about because he there was a guy in his gap and that guy backed off and another guy ended up coming on delayed place, but he didn't see it. So he was in between of like, should I come back here and help or should I move up to the second level? And he just got stuck and then eventually decided to come back here and help. And the blitzer ran right through his gap, like stuff like, like that is you hope that that is development, that, that he gets better from that. If he doesn't, you start talking about Rashad Coward territory. If he does, he's a guy who looks really nice. Like, I mean, not to say he looked like Rashad Coward's first start, but like Rashad Coward had a lot of tools, but he could never get the processing down, right? He could never get the techniques down either. 
I feel like Carter has some really solid technique already. And it's just the processing that you need to see grow there. Like his, his hands are just violent, man. I mean, he is throwing haymakers out there. It is awesome to watch. Like when you're focusing on him, he, he, he's got, he's got some power behind that punch and he is not afraid to use it. He is not afraid to punch a guy right in the mouth, even if it's Vita Vea. Like he is just coming right at him. And I love that. He's, he's got that dog in him, which is really cool to see. And he's always looking for work, which is a, a great trait to always have the lineman looking to hit somebody. Just wants to hit somebody. That's what he's out there to do. And that, uh, so I'm excited for his future. I'm not sure how much more he's going to play this year you know if Jenkins comes back I'm not sure if they're comfortable moving him to the left side um I would consider I'm hitting the territory where I would consider if they were going to move him to the left side and felt comfortable with that with his ability to do that I would consider having compete with white hair right now but I'm not sure that they're there with him yet of willing to to ask him to switch sides um I also think he could be a really good center if he had the, the mental processing side down, but there's so much involved there. Like I, I can't say that I could project him to center without, you know, ever being, having been around him, but I think he could really excel at that position as well, just with his, his grittiness and his short area quickness to hit the second level would be really nice there too. Um, he's not a guy that you want pulling long. I noticed like he's not, maybe it's change of direction. Maybe it's like his, it just seemed like he was missing a lot, a lot of blocks downfield when he was being asked to block downfield and to get way outside. So I feel like center would be a nice spot for him if he could get that processing down. But aside from that, Lucas Patrick was really nice in pass protection on Saturday. Run blocking was a little rougher, but, um, very nice rebound from a rough game against Green Bay for him. I don't think he should be a long-term starter here, but I he was playing hurt. I'm not sure if it, it was – I mean, there were plays where he – in week one and week two where he was limping off the field. Lucas Patrick's been playing through something, and he's just been grinding. And I, I really respected the film that he put on tape against Tampa Bay. Do you think this unit's going to be pretty decent when they can get healthy and get out all of this guys, all these guys together? Because it seems like it's just a mismatch right now because they have to. I mean, I think the Bears O-line coming into the season was solid on paper, but the closer you looked, the more you started to see the cracks. The more you started to see that Tevin Jenkins got has gotten hurt every year of his career. The more you see that Cody Whitehair might not be the guy he used to be. And at that point, you're saying, well, we got three out of five positions covered really well, you know, and three out of five doesn't give you an O-line. It gives you a nice big hole up the middle. Yeah, and, and you're seeing it, uh, at least on Sundays for some plays, you know, them walking some of the guys back into Justin Fields and, and definitely the inside run game has not uh, has been as successful as we've seen in the past either. Um, Scott here, going back to our conversation about Quarterbacks, uh, Kirk, Kirk Cousins, Cousins could be that guy. Yeah, Kirk Cousins his next first year. year as a starter under four thousand yards. That sounds about right. Um, and he also had a question for you. Um, do you think that they consider moving right to left guard at any time or left tackle at any time? I mean, if Braxton doesn't get better with his run blocking and keeps getting penalties, the only way I see it, like 
because his pass protection, I think, has been above average this year, well above average. Um, and I know, I know, we all thought Charles Leno was really bad. Charles Leno was actually pretty good. Like that's just that that's where it pretty good, not good, just like like Larry David, like pretty pretty <laughs> pretty, pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean. He's not. He wasn't a guy who was going to keep going to Pro Bowls. You're like, this is our foundation of our offensive line, left tackle. He's a guy who's going to consistently come there, lock up the pass, get in the way in the run, and you know, just get the job done. And that sometimes that's all you need from an offensive lineman. And that's pretty much what I think Braxton Jones might be—a really solid pass protector who's going to get beaten by power at times because his anchor is just kind of is what it is. He's going to lose that leverage battle more often than not when he's going up against a really powerful guy. But by lose, I mean, get pushed back near the quarterback, not fall over and give a free run at the quarterback. Like that's the difference between like below average and above average. You know, that's it's winning on the offensive line. Doesn't always look like winning. (laughs) <laughs> winning ugly is perfectly acceptable if you get the job done you get the job done so i mean that's that's kind of where braxton jones falls into sometimes i think he's been a lot cleaner this year with that stuff though in the pass protection and i'm not sure that you'd you'd move right to the left side unless you felt like braxton jones wasn't getting the job done um and because braxton's never played on the right side I don't think. I think all through college he was left on the left side, and I think left side is kind of where he is entrenched. And I don't know why you would – like, Wright has played on the left side, but it's not his last name, so I don't know why he'd do it. <laughs> um, but he didn't, he, what, he didn't have a lot of success there. Some of that was probably developmental, like – because something clearly clicked for him his senior year at Tennessee. It wasn't like he went to the right side and it clicked. It was like he wasn't good on the right and he wasn't good on the left. And then something clicked and he happened to be on the right. But if he's doing really well, I don't know why you move him. I, I, I'm If he does well for three years, then maybe you consider it. Then maybe you go um, like Tristan Wirfs. You know, you go ask Tristan Wirfs in his third, fourth year to move to left tackle. I'm not a big fan of asking him in his first, second year because he's still figuring the league. Like, he's got enough on his plate. Yeah, I like that answer. I think that uh, if you solve the position, keep it there. That's the more you can solve. If you can solve through the draft, you can solve through free agency. That's, but, yeah, you definitely in his first year got to make sure that, you know, he's comfortable and he's learning things and, and he seems to be comfortable at that position. Um Another guy looked pretty comfortable, kind of shifting over to the defense a little bit. Uh, Javon Dexter had some great uh, plays on the line. I know you want to talk a little bit about the defense and on the defensive line because you saw some good things out of that group on Sunday. Oh, man. There was uh, – so it's only two plays. Brandon Thorne tweeted him out last night, I think, or maybe it, was, maybe it was Sunday night. I think it was last night. And it's just like it's only two plays. You can't get too excited about it, but, like, that was one of my one of my dudes in the draft. Like Javon Dexter was one of my like guys who I was like, no one's on him, but I like this. I like this prospect a lot, and he showed some. He showed some flashes on Sunday, and they're just flashes. 
it's not consistent yet, but I'll take flashes right now because it it when I watch these two clips, if you haven't watched them, just go look up Brandon Thorne and or search Brandon Thorne, Javon Dexter. If you probably just search Javon Dexter, it'll be one of the first things that pops up. But I just watched it like 10 times in a row. I'm just shaking my head, like muttering to myself, like the violence, the sheer violence that this guy had in those two plays, the violence and the power. Like he's just tossing grown NFL men. Like I, I think they were both, or one was Cody Mock, the right guard, rookie right guard at North Dakota State. So like you can start to say like, okay, he was going up against a rookie from a FCS school. Like he should do that. But then he did it to Hainsey too, who's what, third year, second or third year center there. Like that's an NFL player who's been solid in the NFL. Not nothing special, but he's done his job well well enough to stick around and he's doing it to one of those guys. You start to say, man, I I think I see why they drafted this kid. Like just through the guys, man, just like nothing. I I love to see it. I just love to see it. And Andrew Billings stays awesome. He's probably my favorite player on the bears right now. Like Andrew Billings is just the man. I, I love watching that guy play football right now. It's good to see that there are some silver linings within the loss on Sunday. Um, moving on, too, I think a, a silver lining in terms of the unit was, yeah, they gave up a ton of yards on Sunday. They definitely did. But the, they stuck to the Tampa 2 scheme. And when it got into the red zone, they, they tightened up and they didn't give up points. You think that's Bears football and, and more of the Bears doing? Baker Mayfield, a little bit of – both, you know, what did you see on Sunday? I think it's uh, like I want to give credit to the Bears defense, but I like gave up almost like 500 yards. Like, sure that they, they tightened up in the red zone. I guess it's just it's if it was against a better quarterback, against a more seasoned coordinator. Like Tampa's coordinator has never called plays before this year. He's brand new to this that that aspect of the game and you could see it in their week one performance like he was trying some stuff they probably shouldn't have been trying i have to imagine i haven't watched for that aspect the the replay but i have to imagine some of that stuff hit some of the facts that your quarterback is baker mayfield hit like I just I have a hard time giving the defense the benefit of the doubt when they give up almost 500 yards. That it was like, oh well, you guys held up though. Like I'm not sure that that counts as that holding up. Yeah, yeah, it, it, you could definitely look at it that way. Um, I thought it was just egregious the the push off that Mike Evans got for the yeah 70 some yard too. I mean that's that's another you know almost 100 yards that you're counting in for that. Um, yeah, but. Yeah, I mean, there's 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 some decent things in terms of, of what we're seeing, but you know, we kind of talked on off air about you know this is a lot of the issues of building, you know, from the from the outside in, you know, and this is kind of where we're at right now, where yeah, the the back seven's great and they do some great stuff, but when you can't get to the quarterback, guys like Baker Mayfield are still going to be able to carve you up. And that's not a shot at Baker. Yeah. It's just a matter of when you can get comfortable, 
you could do a lot more than when you're uncomfortable. I think that's just a fair assessment in any sport. Um, there's an old Buddy Ryan quote. It, that what is it? It's a uh, quarterbacks are all pompous bastards and they must pay, or something like that. Like the less a quarterback gets hit, the more pompous they get. I think, <laughs> and the more confident they get, the more they feel like they are just in it. The more they're like already in Monday morning mode. Like just I I piss gold. You know that's that that's. You need to hit them. You just need to hit them. You need to make them uncomfortable. And if you don't, they're just playing backwards is really hard. I mean, that's what coverage players do all the time. And it is really hard. There's a very thin margin for error. And the best the best in the world, like Jalen Ramsey last year when the, the Rams pass rush was really struggling, Jalen Ramsey didn't look that good. You know, it's like, it doesn't matter how good you are if you don't have a pass rush. You're still going to give up more yards than you probably should, which sucks. But that's that's what you get when you build build outside in. Like you said, when you build, when you start with the corners and the safeties and, and then get to the linebackers. But, like, even the linebackers, if there's no pass rush, you're going to have to bring them on blitzes. You're going to have to mug up the last road. You're going to take them out of their ideal position. going to create issues for them of – being blind because they have to get back to a spot and it's things that the offense can take advantage of. And ultimately it's with this defensive concepts, all about creating turnovers, right? Turnovers come down to making the quarterback uncomfortable more times than not. Like, sure. You can, you can create fumbles and stuff like that, but most interceptions come down to desperation from the quarterback and unco- uncomfortable from the quarterback and both of those things are created by pressure yeah 100 percent. i think the silver line too is is when they are able to move around you did see you know guys like brisker get their hand on the ball you know when when yeah. things like that happen that's that's why this you know tampa 2 looks the way it looks that's why they play it this way um i think we've moved on we're done with uh talking about the you know, the game from last week, we're going to talk a little bit about the game coming up against the Chiefs. Q, first question for you, what do they got to do to make this close? I think this is one of those things that we can sit and talk for hours about, but what can the Bears do? I think the line was, what, 13 and a half now? Um, I'm not sure if that's completely true or – I don't know, whatever. I think it was 12 and a half right before the show. I was trying to pick out my bets for my other show tonight. So what do they got to do? Can they do it? Is it? You got to effectively take away Travis Kelsey just without committing extra men to him. Like, I mean, that's, that is number one. You need, because I can say you got to effectively get after Pat Mahomes. Doesn't seem to matter. You got to break Pat Mahomes' leg. Doesn't seem to matter. He still won the Super Bowl on it. Like, I mean, I it's there's no real stopping Pat Mahomes. I mean, maybe you, you know, uh, get all the wide receivers and do whatever the Lions did to him to make him drop the football every time they get thrown to. I mean, I it just doesn't make sense to me. Uh, and I, full disclosure, I went to Texas Tech. Pat Mahomes was my favorite college football player of all time. And 
I I am a little bit biased when it comes to the Chiefs, but um, that's neither here nor there because they're playing my favorite team this week, the Chicago Bears. And the first thing you have to do is be able to take Travis Kelsey out of the game without committing extra bodies to him. And Tremaine Edmonds might be about your best bet in the NFL to try to do that. Um, I'm not sure there's another player who has the length and the athleticism to really start to do that as he does, but also you're going to need a safety. You're going to need to be going back and forth between Eddie Jackson and Tremaine Edmonds and taking him away because you can't just use one guy. Um, Andy Reid's too good. He'll find a way to take advantage of it. Um, and you need to be doing it in the right moments when Andy Reid's not expect like when Andy Reid is expecting you to use one guy, you need to use a different guy. Like that's and I don't know how to tell you when that's going to happen. I don't know if Andy Reid can tell you when that's going to happen. I think that's just a feel, and that's what makes him so damn good. Yeah, you talked about what you got to do offensively or defensively to, to this unit. What, what what do you have to do offensively? What can what can they capitalize on to keep this? Because it's it seems like if you're going to win this football game. You're going to have to score a lot of points. You're going to have to – and that's when you play the Chiefs the most of the time that is. But this year, you know, you look at their offensive uh, wide receivers are, you know, maybe a little shaky. There's not that number one guy out there They're like a Tyreek Hill that you have to worry about. They're pretty shaky. So it seems like if you can score points, you'll be in it. Can the Bears score points against that defensive unit for the Chiefs? Week Weeks one through ten Chiefs? I think they could. Weeks 11 through Super Bowl Chiefs, that's a different defense. Bags does not bring out his A game until the second half of the season every single year, I feel like. So, yeah, I mean, this defense, I think the talent is probably higher than the production will be right now just because I think they they save their horses for the back half of the year. They save their best stuff, their best concepts, their best – I mean, Spags is going to come at you. But – um, I think he saves his best blitz packages for later in the year, his most creative stuff. Um, but I would like their chances a lot better if it was two weeks ago when Chris Jones wasn't there because Chris Jones is just unreal. Um, but I will say the biggest strength of that defense is probably their cornerbacks. And one of the Bears' biggest strengths is their wide receivers. So, like, that has potential. To, to work out in the Bears' favor. It's kind of like any given Sunday kind of thing, you know, like there's both both units are really talented. It's just who's going to make more plays. Um, Chiefs linebacking core is really strong. I think they got some real players there. The defensive line is real. I mean, Chris Jones is the big deal, but outside of that, they don't have a lot. George Karloftis has been okay. Since he got drafted, uh, Felix Anaduke's Omas only played a little bit. He shined some, but um, he's not a guy who's going to be getting a ton of run yet. He's still kind of figuring things out, it seems like, especially in Spag's defense, where there's a lot of stuff he needs to watch out for. It's a very, you know, they need to play very disciplined football if they're blitzing that much or if they're, they're that aggressive. They're just a very aggressive unit, um, not unlike the Buccaneers different than the Buccaneers. Like they are aggressive, but not as um, caution to the wind 
as as I'd say top balls defenses. Like top balls is coming for you. They're there's they're animalistically aggressive, whereas Spagnola's defense is calculated aggressive. Okay. So I mean, I, I guess I don't really have a good answer for you there. Just I mean, I think they're a little overmatched on talent. I imagine that Chris Jones is gonna have a lot of opportunities right up on White Heron Patrick, the weakest spot of the line, and just you gotta be able to keep Chris Jones at bay. And White Hair's gotta I need to see him absorbing less contact and creating more contact against Chris Jones. Cause if he absorbs, he's done. Before I get to my favorite segment of any on tap show, I don't know if you know this Q, but I always pick out a favorite comment that was uh, in the comments tonight. It's kind of my signature in terms of Cubs on tap and now bears on tap is going to get a little bit of it. I want your score prediction if you may, for this coming Sunday, Bears Chiefs. Ooh, I haven't. So I haven't gone through my full preview and thought it all through yet. Um, I'm a little behind on this week's. I haven't. I haven't watched the Chiefs tape yet. But um, I'm gonna say. Bears, 24, Chiefs, 35. Okay. I would actually be okay with that. If the Bears can put up 24 points and show some some growth, show some optimism, I would take 0-3 at the end of, of, yeah. uh, of this, this but, little run. It's been brutal, but yeah. So that's my brain's prediction. At least, I think that, according to my brain, that's a backdoor cover. Okay, like, there you that's go. That's like uh, you're down, <laughs> you're you're down by 17 and get a touchdown to end the game. Like, gotcha. um, but my heart, because I never picked the Bears to lose in my article, so I can't start now. Um, I can't start just because it's the Chiefs. Uh, my heart says, let's get wild. Valus Jones gets a kick return touchdown because for some reason he ends up back on the kick return team. Um, the Bears get a pick six off of a Kadarius Tony drop. Okay. And so there's 14. Justin Fields has two passing touchdowns and a rushing touchdown and a big game for him. Um, so that's what? That's 35 right there, ain't it? Yeah, I think too sandwiched in between that is uh the PA goes off and blank space starts playing. Travis Kelsey gets distracted. Yeah. Um doesn't run his route. Um <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's uh just yeah. wild, man. Good for him if he's really dating Taylor Swift. She's uh she's so very yeah. talented. So very talented. So I'm gonna I'm gonna keep the Chiefs at 35. I'm gonna say the Bears get the interception off Kadarius Tony drop as time expires. Go for two because it's on the road and they win 36-35. Sweet. Man, that would be awesome. <laughs> we turn we turn the In Xbox. We oh, turn the Xbox off yeah. after that, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> we, we drop the controller on the ground and walk away. Oh man, what a what a brutal, brutal time it is to be a Bears fan. Uh, in a lot of ways, a lot of panic. But I'll say this. I'm gonna make a bold prediction. I do think this week. The offense 
looks better and Justin looks better. I will say that. I think that this is the week where he gets some of the naysayers off his back and he has a very nice game at Arrowhead and the narrative maybe starts to change a little bit. Cause I, I think that he's too good to not have one of these games where you just look up and you're like, okay, maybe we do have something here. I, I really do believe that. Yeah. I've been eyeing the over and I'm still undecided, but I really think this might be a week to bet the over. Sounds about right. Q, any final thoughts before I pick the comment of the night and we get out of here? Cause we are at the hour mark. Um, so Let's see, I wanted to highlight a message that I got from a guy uh, who's a friend of the show, Start Kyle Orton on Twitter. Uh, has his own podcast, the Start Kyle Orton Podcast, a.k.a. the Scottcast. Um, message was just, I, I thought it was perfect. Um, he said, it, the discussion was obviously Justin Fields, because what else would we talk about? Um, I mean, he's a broken QB right now. There's no way around it. You can argue about who broke him or how, but it doesn't matter. And that's that is the encapsulation of how I how I'm feeling about the Bears right now. I love it. I'll add to it. It's always darkest before the dawn. A little dark night. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Scott Crawford wins the comment of the night when we were talking about beating the did I did I get it up there? See, I always mess up here. Yep. Andy Reid's pregame meal options. This is how you beat the Chiefs. Love it. Thank you. you say that one more time. True. Cut out on me. Oh, I said uh, replace Reid's pregame meal with vegan options. Chiefs. That's what we were talking about. Right. The, uh, how to beat the Chiefs. I think that's the comment. Give them an, of give them an impossible burger. That's all you need to do. We here. I, I actually sell those. Q. Little do you know, I'm working in food service. <laughs> I sell that product, and yes, they it is brutal. <laughs> um, <laughs> just bad all around. <laughs> Getting a call but, from your manager soon. <laughs> uh, hopefully he's not listening. He is on the East Coast. He is probably listening to some Philly uh, Eagles podcast at this point, if that's the case, and good for him. Um, diehard Eagles fan over there, my boss. Um, but – Bears on Tap is one of two Chicago Bears podcasts here at On Tap Sports Net. Make sure you're heading over to the Bears Nation podcast as well. They do a great job doing the opposite side of this, where they do the post and pregame shows. Um, we do a little bit more in-depth conversation, talk about the larger points of the show and where what's going on in the world of the Bears. Bulls, Bears, Hawks. Cubs, White Sox, we have it all at ONTAP Sportsnet, so make sure you're heading over to www.ontapsportsnet.com for all your sports and literature needs. It's a great So, I think Juice cut out on us there, but as he was saying, ONTAPsportsnet.com, all your Chicago sports needs, and we appreciate you guys listening. Please make sure to go comment, like, subscribe, help us with the algorithm. Makes a huge difference for us, and we appreciate you guys. We love seeing your comments here, and we'll finish this off the only way we know how. Bear down.